Definitely excited and honored to be able to share with you today. Uh, we had a, as was shared, we had a fabulous week at day camp, sharing with the kids um, a bunch of stories that led to the greatest story ever told, which was about Jesus. And uh, it, was, it was just a phenomenal time. And so it made all the sense in the world for me to continue with that concept and for us this morning to talk about the greatest story ever told. There's a lot of great stories in the Bible, uh, but today we're really gonna be focusing on the greatest story ever told, which of course is Jesus and uh, what he did on the cross, the forgiveness of our sins, um, amazing truth that comes with that and who we are as a result of that. So as we talk about this today, I, I wanted to I wanted to break it up into three areas because I think it's important for us to realize ultimately I'm talking about reconciliation today and, and the, the great aspect that comes with that. But I also wanted to take a moment to talk about a, a couple other things as we make our way there. Um, the first one is that God uses the simple things. And so there's a passage in 1 Corinthians 25 where it says, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. And God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. And I think it's just a awesome statement for us to know that God uses men and women like us. Because regardless of what the world would try to put on us or how the world would see us, uh, we're in great company with a lot of different characters throughout scripture uh, that I'm gonna share just a few real quick, but we have this opportunity knowing that God uses people like you and I, those that he's reconciled to him to be empowered um, just like these people are. So the first one I wanna start off with is David. It's the story of David and Goliath, which I'm sure we're all familiar with. Um, and you can find it in 1 Samuel 17, but I'm just gonna paraphrase it. So the amazing thing about David, it's David and Goliath when he goes to fight Goliath. But prior to that, David has a lot of rejection and overlooking and being considered to be small and not thought highly of. When the prophet Samuel came to uh, his house, all of the brothers were brought forward except for one, which was David, because he was out tending the sheep. And so Samuel goes through and checks out all the other sons and says, something's wrong here because none of these are to be the next king. Do you have any other children? And he goes, well, there's one, but he's out with the sheep. And Samuel goes, well, I'm not sitting down until you bring him. So they call David in and uh, Samuel sees him and goes, there he is, that's, that's the one. So he anoints him with oil, says he's to be the next king. And then it's, it's kind of an awkward thing that happens because he just gets picked out of everyone else but Samuel leaves and I get this impression like the brothers are there and they just go, well, what are you standing there for? Back to the sheep, you know? And David goes back out. He doesn't step into the role. He doesn't really get recognized as such. It's just go back to the sheep and, and that's who you are. So kind of rejected by his father. And then we see when David and Goliath happens, his dad says, hey, here, take this lunch to your brothers who are out fighting, you know, uh, the war that's going on with the Philistines. And it's, to me, my mind, I'm like, take a lunch. So all I can think of is like war going on and you're running out there with a the lunch looking for one of your brothers. You know, you're like, where's brother? You know, and all this stuff's going on and dodging bullets and I'll just do, it's a lunch, you know? And he gets there and he looks inside, tuna, I don't like tuna, you know, or whatever. But um, there's this, he takes a lunch. I, I, I tend to think it's more about a destiny moment 
that that was just used to get him where he needed to be because there was something that he needed to accomplish. So he gets there and he's looking at Goliath. He sees what's happening and he's like, hey, who's gonna go kill this guy? Like as if anybody could. If anybody could have taken the stones or the sling or the weapon of their choice, they could have gone out there and slayed the giant. And right away he gets rejected by his brothers. Hey, what'd you do with all the sheep you had? It's pushing back into this identity of like, look, no one cares about you, David, you're small. Just, just go back to the sheep. So he begins to ask some questions. What's gonna be done for the guy that kills this guy? Even the king, even Saul, who was king at that time, looks at David and goes, man, you're just a small boy. Here, take, take this armor, take this big sword, take all these things, because somehow we gotta make you look bigger and greater than you are. David goes, no, nah, I can't use any of this stuff. I, I gotta be who I am. And he picks up the sling and the stones, the same ones that he killed the lion and the bear when he was protecting the sheep. And then he looks at Goliath. And yet if it wasn't enough that his dad rejected him and his brothers rejected him, all this stuff, then the enemy, the giant who's standing out there is laughing at him like, what do you send a boy to do a man's work? So all of these labels being thrown at David and David continues to keep his focus on the Lord. And he just goes, you know, I, I'm, I'm gonna kill you. And you're the one that's gonna have your flesh feed to the birds and all, all of that. And then David runs into the battle. And of course, we know the story, he kills Goliath. And what happens when he does that is a whole army who was, who was stuck with fear had lost the identity of we're the army of the living God. And when David did that, something happened and changed on the inside of the army to where they all rushed and chased the Philistines way far away and came back and plundered. They won a great victory, but David started a movement by going, look, this is who we are no matter how small, no matter how rejected, no matter all these things and labels that we get to put on. And it so stirs up the army that rather being locked in fear, they get released into their destiny and back into who they are as the army of the living God. God uses the small things, like a guy like David, that everyone's labeled. Another story is what I call the careless cook. And this comes out of Second Kings. The story is, that Elijah returned to uh, Gilgal, there was a famine going on, and so he says to somebody, hey, would you, would you put a pot on and make some stew? So one of the guys goes out and he's looking for stuff to make stew with. And so he comes across this vine and it has these, these gourds on it and he picks them all as much as he can handle and then as he's going back in, it says he, he puts them in the pot but no one knew who they were, what they were. So apparently he was asking people, hey, do you know what this is? Have you ever seen these? No, I've never seen those before. Do you, is this good to eat or what does it smell like? You know, no one knows what they are, so they put them in the pot. So he makes this stew and he serves it to the men and all of a sudden they start going, oh my gosh, I don't feel so good. You know, there's death in the pot. And so they cry out to Elisha and Elisha says to them, hey, go to the first aid kit and pull out some medicinal stuff that we can give everyone. No, that's not what he says, right? He says, bring some flour. If I, I'm like, flour. And all I can think of is all-purpose flour, you know, and I, they probably didn't have it, and there was no grocery store for him to go buy it, but it's flour. It's just a simple product. It wasn't, it had a medicinal thing where he went and took a leaf off of something and ground it and put it with something else, and he says, okay, guys, this is, no, it was just flour. He took something as basic as flour, he throws it in the pot, and he goes, let's eat. I'm probably not gonna be the first one in line going, yeah, serve me some of that up now that it's got flour in it, right? Yeah. 
But he uses a simple thing. Anything could have been used. Nope, I'm gonna use some flour. And there's another story briefly I wanna share about, I call it the careless lumberjack. You know, they're, they're going out and, and they're headed down to the Jordan. And what they're gonna do is, is cut some trees and make some places where they could build a place for them to meet. And one of the guys goes, hey, Elijah, would you come with us? And he goes, yeah. So Elijah goes with, the, with them and they're cutting down a tree. And one of the guys who's cutting down the tree, you know, the ax head flies off and goes in the water. And he goes, oh my gosh, you know, what am I gonna do? That's borrowed. Probably because he didn't, maybe he didn't have enough money to, to buy one himself, but he borrowed an ax head from somebody. Now he's on the line. He's like, oh my gosh, what am I gonna do? And so Elisha goes, let me get a stick. I'm thinking long stick. So maybe a magnet like you see on YouTube or something. Something that's gonna bring, he just takes a stick and he goes, hey, where, where did you say it was? Over there? Throws the stick and the ax head floats. And the laundry goes over there and grabs it. See, I think what we have to grab from this is the importance of knowing that God uses the simple things. He uses men and women like us. He uses people like us to accomplish the task, whether it's like David or he uses a stick or he uses a flower. He just needed somebody, David, Elisha, to be willing to do the very thing that God asked. God uses the simple things. And as we continue on in talking about being reconciled and what that means and being an ambassador, which I'll talk in a little bit, we are those people that God has reconciled to say, hey, I, I need an ambassador and I wanna take you along on this journey and this is what I need for you to do. So regardless of David being overlooked, regardless of flower, regardless of the stick, it was the simple things that God chose to use. But even with all the stories, there's, I still find myself going, you know, the greatest story ever told is a story of Jesus. And there are so many aspects of, of things that Jesus accomplished on the cross. We could spend all of today going all, going all of the, over all of those. But I'm gonna zero into one aspect, which is reconciliation. But before I do, I wanna look at a list of about 10 things that happened when Jesus, when Jesus said it was finished. These are the things that happened as a result of what of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. So let's just look at these real quick. You can just soak this in. He was punished so that we may be forgiven. And honestly, completely forgiven we are. He was wounded that we may be healed. He was made sin with our sinfulness that we may be made righteous with his righteousness. He tasted death that we could share in his life. He was made a curse that we may receive a blessing. He endured our poverty that we might share his abundance. He bore our shame that we might share his glory. No more shame, no more guilt. He endured our rejection that we may have his acceptance with the Father. He was cut off that we might be joined to the Lord. Our old man was put to death and in him the new man might come to life. What an amazing gospel. Think of the exchange that took place through all of this that is listed off. Our poverty in his abundance, right? We were, he was punished for our forgiveness. It's an amazing aspect. So let's, let's take that in mind and the fact that God uses the lowly things or uses the simple things Let's take that down to where I really want to spend the rest of my time on the message. Let's talk about reconciliation. 
because we were reconciled to God through Christ Jesus. See, reconciliation is the repair of a broken relationship as where a former enemy agrees to a truce. And Jesus restored us to full relationship with God without issue or hindrance. That's what reconciliation is. We've been connected again to God. And one of the things that I think is funny, it, it's not just like a haphazard. I don't know how this worked for you, but when I was growing up in school, you always had that place where people went to fight, right? The bike rack was ours. I'm just a bike rack. After school, dude, bike rack. I don't know if it was the same for you or a different place or whatever, but it was always, we're gonna meet at the bike rack. And so sometimes fights would take place, people gather around in circle and everyone's yelling and then a faculty member or a teacher would come up. And I remember specific times where guys were getting ready to fight and they're hot and bothered and they're, you know, they're mad and they're ready. And the teacher would go, whoa, 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 break it up, break it up, break it up. We're not gonna have this here. And you see the two guys that are hot and sweet, you know, and, and then they'd go, hey, Listen, you guys need to shake hands. So they both look at each other like, yeah, that's not happening, you know? I'm not gonna shake hands, I'm gonna punch him right here if you just move to the side. You know, no, shake hands. If you don't shake hands, this is gonna happen to you. So then they shake hands and it's like, the bike rack after school, you know? <laughs> it wasn't a meaningful shaking of hands, it was just okay, because I have to, here you go. That's what happened there, but that's not the reconciliation that we received through Christ with God. See, it's perfect. It was full reconciliation. Listen to uh, Romans 5. It says this, For if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. We've been reconciled to God right relationship, all is good. There, there is no issue, there is no, there, it's, it's, it's perfect because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. So those who are in Christ, something to realize that's past tense, we have been, which happened when G, with what Jesus did on the cross, reconciled to God. And so with that in mind, I just want us to carry three things that I want us to recognize today. Three things to take with you. If there's anything you get, hang on to these three things. Number one, you are holy, without blemish, and free from accusation. Let me say that again. You're holy, without blemish, and free from accusation. How do I know that? Colossians 1.21 says this. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior... But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish, and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. See, at one point we were alienated, but now we have been reconciled. How did that happen? It's through Christ and what he accomplished on the cross. So for those of us in Christ, we now stand in a place where we are those three things, holy, without blemish, and free from accusation. You're holy. Well, Tom, I don't always feel holy, and I don't think I make holy decisions, and sometimes I don't look holy. It doesn't change the fact that you're holy. Because that's what Jesus said. That's what scripture says because of what Jesus did. You're holy. Everyone say, I'm holy. 
Secondly, you're without blemish, which means you have no spots. You're spotless. How is that even possible? Because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. So we're not only holy, but we're without blemish. There's no stain or spot on you because Jesus washed us clean. And what he does, I mean, it's a good work. I've had to clean stains and stuff before and you look and you go, yeah, I still see it. That's not the way Jesus does, right? When it's clean, spotless, ding, you know, a little, right? And then lastly, free from accusation. See, there is no accusation left to point a finger at you and hey, you're, you know, you should have, how come you, it's not there. Because Jesus isn't gonna do that. He's not gonna accuse you. God's not gonna accuse you. Holy Spirit isn't gonna accuse you. Actually, it's only one that's gonna accuse you, right? And we don't wanna listen to him anyway. It's the devil. He brings the accusations. And if, if you're getting accusations, put it aside. Say, no, that's not who I am. Because scripture says I'm holy without blemish and free from accusation. Sometimes that could be a hard concept. You know, when I was growing up, um, all these growing up stories today. When I was growing up, um, I, I, I remember I found out that I was adopted kind of a difficult way. I was in an argument with my sister and she pulled the, well, you know what? You're the best brother. No, she said, she said, you're adopted. I said, no, I'm not. She said, yeah, so am I. So I went to my, my mom and dad said, am I adopted? And they were like, what? I said, am I adopted? Uh, well, sit down. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, this is like last week. So I was a little, no, I'm just kidding. No, no, no. I was, I was young. But I remember thinking to myself like, wow, that's, I didn't know that. And then we talked about it and I thought, well, that's kind of cool. Something different and unique about me. So I remember going to school and I don't know if the teacher says, hey, does anybody have anything to share? But I was like, hey, everyone, I'm adopted. <laughs> yeah, kids aren't always nice when you say things like that, right? So the next thing I know, everyone in the school was sharing with me about what they think about adopted kids telling me, oh, you're rejected, you know, they didn't want you, it's probably because how ugly you are, you know, all those things. And I remember I went home and I was literally crying. And my mom goes, what are you crying about? It was probably something like, they told me, uh oh, you know, <laughs> trying to muster the words. And I told her and she looked at me, she goes, stop it. My mom was a little fireball, stop it. I said, what? She goes, she goes you, you weren't rejected by your mom, you, you were adopted, but can I tell you something? And I go, what? Because this is what it was like. I went into this building and they had like 15 kids lined up. And we walked down the line and we looked at, at the kids and as soon as I saw you, I go, that one. That's the one I want. So I started to wipe my tears a little bit. She goes, son, this is the thing. We couldn't have children. So we needed to adopt somebody. And we, had, we could have adopted anybody, but we chose you. We picked you out of a crowd. And she goes, you wanna know something else? I go, what? She goes, all those kids making fun of you, their parents were stuck with them. <laughs> no joke, that's what she said. <laughs> so next day at school, <laughs> how's everybody doing today? You can call me chosen Tom. I, but I just remember Sometimes when there's a truth, it takes a little massaging 
My mom had to pull me aside and take me out of what was being said and go, let me tell you something, son. You're chosen. I picked you. I could have picked anybody, but we picked you. And it was the best decision we ever made. Sometimes when it comes to being holy and without blemish and free from accusation, we, we gotta let the Lord massage that in. Because I could have said, but mom, you know, what, well, why did they put me up for adoption? And, and how come I, I was rejected? And why didn't they want me? And all those things. But you know what settled that? Is my mom going, I chose you. Yeah. And some, something clicked for me. Because everyone in the world can say everything they want like they did to David. But I'm telling you today, you, if you're in Christ, you're holy. You're without blemish, right? And you're free from any accusation. That's just a fact. Carry that with you. Number two, you are near to God. You're near to God. Ephesians 2.13 says this, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. You've been brought near. You didn't just move a little closer. And as you get better, you move a little closer. No, because of what Jesus finished on the cross and because of this reconciliation, you were brought near. You're brought near. You were once far away, but through what Jesus did, you were brought near. I shared this in the first service. There was a, um, a time when we decided as a family to visit uh, Canada. So we got to see Niagara Falls and, and all those things. And I, I, was, I think I was like five or six years old, so I was pretty young. So I was like, oh, water, you know. And, but we happened to go to some stores on our way out. And I remember going to this one store and they had this big, um, like, I don't know, a barrel in the middle of the store and it had all these presents in it. I'm like, oh, this is probably left over from the North Pole or something. You know, I'm just looking at all these presents. And I'm like, dad, what are these? You know, and he goes, I don't know. So it didn't say anything on it, didn't say a price. And the lady was like, oh yeah, those are surprise gifts. They're, they're all a dollar. And it could be any of the items in the store. And I was like, dad. I gotta have one of these, you know? And he's like, well, let's, don't you wanna look at something else? No, I want one of these, a surprise gift, please. So I was like, dad, can, we, can I get it, can I get it? You know, finally, he's like, okay, we'll get it, but you can't open it until you go back to the hotel. I was like, oh, well, how long before we go back to the hotel? Well, let's shop and we're gonna do this. I was just like, oh my gosh. So my dad buys the toy and I didn't even want it in a bag. You want it in a bag? No, I wanna look at it. You know, so I'm shaking it, I'm smelling it, I'm trying to figure out what's in it. And they're taking forever. <laughs> when you want to open a present, it's like, so I remember going, man, and they're looking at stuff and I see the door. So I step out the door. I can't open this till I get to the, you know, to the hotel. Oh, that looks familiar. And so I started going back to the hotel, like six years old. I walked down to the corner. I looked around a little. Oh, I know. And so I just found things that reminded me of the way we came. And then sure enough, I walked up on the hotel. I was so excited, man. I ran in that hotel. I couldn't push the hotel button enough and the doors open. I get in. I think I missed the floor a couple times. And then when I got to our floor, I was like, oh, there's a room. I went over there, pounded on the door. My mom opened the door. I just bolted right by her, <laughs> sat on the bed and I started ripping open this present, you know, so excited. And honestly, I think it was like some, I remember opening, I was like, oh. You know, it's just this like little map thing, but I was sitting on the bed and I was so excited. I rip it open. So I'm looking at it and flipping through and my mom comes in and she goes, Where, where's your father and your sister? 
And it dawned on, I'm like, I think they're back at the store. And my mom's like, your father's probably worried. And I'm like, well, she goes, you better go find him. So I'm thinking, my mom's sending me back out. <laughs> it took me all this while to get her to send me back out. What if I get lost the second time? But then I thought, whoa, what if I get another present? So I remember leaving the present and everything. I go to the, the elevator and I'm pushing the button and it opens. Oh, hi, dad. There's my dad and my sister. And then everything went black. I don't know why. I, didn't, I, I don't know why. So my dad pulls me in and he's like, oh my gosh, you scared me. I was looking all over for it. I didn't know what you did. And I thought maybe you'd come back here. I really hope that you had. See, the crazy thing about this is my dad went looking for me. He wouldn't have given up. It's the same thing with Jesus brought near. He goes looking for us. The ministry of reconciliation is that he kept looking. I honestly, if I'd have made a, another turn in some other hotel, my dad would have kept looking. He would have got other people involved. He would have called authorities. He would say, hey, let's get out here. He would have started calling my name. He would have done whatever was necessary to find me because we were far away and he wanted to make sure that we were near. It's the same thing with our God. We were far away and it was his delight to make a way through Jesus that you could be brought near. And so if you're in Christ, near you are, right next to him. That means you can, you can pray and, and he hears your prayers. You can ask for, he's gonna answer your prayers. He'll guide you and direct you. He's near, you are near to God. So those are the first two. And then number three, the last one, is that you're an ambassador. You are an ambassador. The definition of an ambassador is a diplomatic official of the highest rank sent by a state to another as its representative. Think about that. So as an ambassador of Christ, we are sent to another place as, as it says, the highest ranked official. So in Christ, you're the highest ranked official as an ambassador of Jesus to go carry the good news to other people. You have the full backing of heaven in all of the places you go. When you walk into the coffee shop, you're that ambassador to share. When you go to work, you're that ambassador to share. Wherever it is that the Lord sends you, you have the full backing of heaven as a highly ranked official to accomplish what he wants for you to accomplish in that place. How do I know this? Read with me 2 Corinthians 5. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We were reconciled and then he gave to us the ministry of reconciliation. Well, what is the message of reconciliation? Verse 19, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, listen to this, not counting men's sins against them. And that's good news. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. So we implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. You're an ambassador. For those of us who are in Christ Jesus, you're an ambassador. We've been reconciled and we've been given this ministry. And God was reconciling the world to himself. I love the fact that when I go 
If I go to Uganda, if I go to another state, if I go down the street from my house, wherever I'm at, I'm that high-ranking official that God has given me everything I need to accomplish. When we send an ambassador as the United States to another country, where they go, it's, it's like the United States. They bring a message, hey, we need a truce, or we need this, or this is what's gonna happen. They have the full authority of a high-ranking official in the United States. And it's the same with us when the Lord sends us. Because we're reconciled, he goes, hey, hey, do you wanna have some fun? Wanna do something really cool? Take this message to the, the people that you come in contact with. What, what, what message? That he's not counting men's sins against them. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute. Like, just the past sins, right? No, past, present, and future. How's that possible? Because Jesus paid for them all. When Jesus was on the cross, all of the sins of past, present, and future people for all time was laid on Jesus. He paid for them all. It's not like he was like, oh, I forgot a few. Sorry, Tom. No, all of them, once and for all, completely paid for. And if I'm in Christ, that's part of this deal of reconciliation. And then he goes, now go have some fun and tell some other people about it. That's good news. If I had to work to pay back all of my sins, if, I had to, if there was all the stuff I had to do, that would, it would take forever and I would never accomplish it. Jesus said, believe in me, I'll take care of them all. I'll pay for them all. And that's what he did. We're an ambassador. And we have this amazing ministry that we get to carry to share other people. And we've got to recognize that we have the full backing of heaven as an ambassador. We don't go by ourselves; We go with. So let me, let me pull this all together and close with this. So if you were in Christ, if, you, if you've accepted Jesus Christ, then this is your state. You're holy, without blemish, and free from any accusation. You're also near to God. All of these were you were, but now you are. And you're an ambassador of Christ Jesus with the full weight of heaven backing you as he sends you. So you may say, Tom, this is all great, but what if I'm not in Christ? As the scripture I read said, then be reconciled to Christ. Jesus did it on the cross. So for us, we believe in Jesus and we get these benefits that we're talking about because his son, his son, God so loved the world that he sent his son that whoever believes in him would not perish, but he have eternal life. So I implore you, if you don't know Jesus today, you can be reconciled to him. See, what God has for all of us is forgiveness of sin, freedom from condemnation, freedom from guilt, no more shame, a never-ending, never-changing love for each one of us, and he has a purpose for your life. And this I know, among the uniqueness and the gifting that he's given each and every one of us, we've all been called to be an ambassador, to tell other people the good news, that God isn't counting men's sins against them. That's an amazing and a beautiful gospel. Amen? So I wanna, I wanna have two things that we pray for today. The first one is this. If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, 
You've never been reconciled to God. I wanna give you an opportunity to do that. And so just a moment, we're gonna pray and I'll give you a chance to do that. And the second thing I wanna do is for those of us who are in Christ, I just feel like the Lord wants to empower you to be ambassadors. And if you receive Jesus today, you also get empowered as an ambassador of Jesus Christ. Because there's a lot of people in your neighborhood, in your work, the places you visit and go that need to know of this good news of great joy that's for all people. So let's pray together. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Firstly, for those of you that are here this morning, you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, but today you wanna be reconciled. Today you wanna accept him as Lord and Savior. Then would you pray this prayer out loud or silently to yourself? Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Thank you for making a way that I could be reconciled to God. I ask you to come into my life to make me new and to guide my steps. Thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. As we continue to pray, if you're here this morning and you're in Christ and you just wanna be empowered through the message of realizing you're an ambassador, full backing, everything you need, he he's, wants to give you for what he has for you to do in the areas in which you live. Then I just wanna pray and empowering over you. If that's you, would you just stand and let me pray for you? Lord, thank you so much for the truth of that we are ambassadors in Christ and that you have given us the full backing of heaven to accomplish what you've sent us to accomplish, especially telling people the good news of the gospel, that you're not counting men's sins against them. It'd be one thing if you were giving us difficult news, but you're giving us good news to share with people that are in need of a savior. And so I just release an empowering in Jesus' name. Lord, this year we've asked many to find just one to love and to encourage and to share the gospel. I just release your ambassadors in Jesus' name all over the city, in their workplaces, in the restaurants they visit, in their families. Lord, we look to you for strength and direction and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.